This week, we return to the wonderful Kay George and her writing guidance. She spills the beans on her writing journey, her process to start a mystery, her methods and tools, and productivity, along with two keys that unlock success. She also provides our inspiration. Enjoy part two of the multi-published Kay George on the Right to Focus. Welcome to The Right Focus, a podcast for writers, newbies, and veterans, and everyone in between. We're hosted by M.A. Lee with the assistance of Remy Black and Edie Rooms, all from Writers, Inc. Books. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Each episode lasts as long as it takes to fix a quick dinner, grab a short commute, or take a brisk walk. Resources and links are in the show notes. Visit us at therockfocus.blogspot.com. Now, on to this week's episode. Where can we find your books? Are you on all the online distributors like Kobo and Barnes & Noble? Uh, Most of my books are, yeah. um, Kindle, Nook, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, um, Apple. Some of them are Apple. Um, but I have um, extensive buy links um, on my page, kgeorge.com, K-A-Y-E-George.com. Okay. If you click on my um, short story page or my mystery page, I've got a purchase here and you click that and then all laid out there are the, are the buy links for each novel. And okay. um, all the, the cozies are audio, ebook um paperback and some of them are large print and then the neanderthal books are hardcover audio paperback and ebook so different publishers do different you know want different formats um yeah untreed reads likes to do a hardback for library editions which i like so and um the the cozies all have large print editions too. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because my sister, she's starting to convert more to audiobooks because she can't find enough books that are large print. Oh, and audio. Most of them are audio. Did I say that? I don't know. I think you yeah. did. <laughs> now, on your out of print books, have you thought about uh, bringing those, reverting the rights back to yourself? And then- I have the rights. I have the rights. Um, I just need to get busy and I don't like the titles or the covers. I need the, the publisher went out of business. Uh The publisher was very good to me, Barking Rain Press. Um, but the book, the title of the first book is called Ina Kleina, um, Ina, what's Ina Kleina Murder or something. And uh, to me, that title has always been kind of inaccessible. It's awkward. My title was Song of Death. So I need to redo those, um, get new covers. And what I would like to do, actually, there's a writer that's going to help me do that if I ever get around to, to doing it, to get them on Harlequin. Yeah. To get and there's two books and I need to write the third. So I have like projects up to here right now. <laughs> that's like me. How yep. did you get started writing? and publishing um writing I I I always tell people I wrote before I could write um I would draw crayon pictures and make up a story and tell everybody Uh what the story was 
and then I wrote car I drew cartoons when I was in school I think when I was 10 years old or so I wrote a novel in pencil on lined paper I think it's two pages or three pages long it was a novel and then in high school and college I sent literary short stories to what was then the Atlantic Monthly and the New Yorker I sent a lot of them and I got piles of rejection slips and one day I decided I wanted to get something published and what did I like to read most I, I really like to read murder mysteries most so I thought that's what I should write because that's kind of what I know so it took me 10 more years to actually learn how to write a mystery you know taking courses getting rejections getting critiques and um Eventually, I got an agent and got some publishers. So, and how do you go about starting one of your mysteries? Do you do you plan everything ahead of time, or only a few things? Or how do you I do have, this? I'm a little bit. Um, I don't know if you want to call it OCD or anal retentive. I I have a process. <laughs> this, this, this. Um, I I take eight to twelve plot points mm -hmm. and put them on my spreadsheet, and then. I do backgrounds for my main characters. I write the villain's backstory. Um, you know, what went on before the story starts mm -hmm. that causes the murder to happen. Um, and some things like that. I, I have a few little <coughs> excuse me, exercises that I do to, to get started. And then I write about three chapters and then revise everything. Because then I can tell where it's actually going to go. <laughs> Yes, because sometimes the, the story takes hold and starts changing. Sometimes the characters take hold. My characters for you? The characters almost always the change. Uh, I'm, I'm very invested in the characters. Um, they If they're speaking to me and going their own way when I don't want them to, I figure I'm being successful. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the, end, the end of um, the first Imogene Duckworthy book, there was this this cop named Ralph Sandoval, and he was kind of slow and plodding. And he came over to the house, the trailer, to eat um, Imogene's mother's cooking because he's not real thin and he really liked her cooking. And um, Imogene kind of, I didn't think Imogene thought much of him. And then they were in the park in the dark watching her daughter play on the swings and they kissed oh and it just kind of happened <laughs> or maybe he was ensuring the fact that he got invited for supper constantly <laughs> maybe <laughs> they ended up living together <laughs> eventually yeah I've the last mystery that I wrote, we published it last summer. I had to actually sit down and plan out all of my clues and my red herrings and my suspects and how they would be motivated, where they actually were, uh, and all sorts of things about them. Do you do that kind of detail? I have a thing that a friend of mine, Janet Coke, got from her editor, and it's excellent. And I wish I'd printed that out. It's these five points you do for each, for the killer and for each suspect. My name is Dada, and I am a suspect. Here's the reason I could have done the murder. 
here's the reason I could not have done the murder. Um, here's a secret that I carry. And I, I put these points, I can just kind of lay these points out through the story. And that's kind of my plot. That this suspect does this and this suspect does this. Oh, no, he couldn't have done it because of this. And just make those discoveries as the story goes on. And then the killer is my name is so-and-so and I am the killer. And I did it this way and I did it because of this. Uh-huh. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds like it would work. Yeah. Now, I noticed also that you say you're a national best-selling and Agatha nominee. What was, uh, what's your best-selling series? Um, the Fat Cat books were Barnes and Noble national bestsellers, uh-huh. all three of them. Um, the, the first Fat Cat book got um, accepted into Walmart, and I sold literally thousands of those. Oh, that's over, good. Over 20,000 of those, yeah. I'm um, envious. <laughs> yes, um, but the other two didn't get picked up, which is uh-huh. another reason that the series didn't continue, that Walmart only, Walmart didn't take the other two. If they had, they would have sold the same, and I still have people asking me when there's going to be another fat cat book because a lot of people like that series but there's not going to be another one and it's work for hire I don't own the characters I don't even know the author name uh-huh. I can't I can't do it um, my contract is that I can't do anything with it I've even, asked, I've even asked a couple agents if they could um if they could work on it and they've kind of made some inquiries but no the the contract is what it is so well, <laughs> I would think I would be so disappointed because I would have had all these characters that I invested time in developing and creating. I had three more novels sketched out. I assumed it was going to continue because it was doing so well and people loved it so much. And to me, this was my foot in the door at Berkeley Prime Crime, which was Penguin. Uh And then after this, I would get a series in my own name and then I would really hit the big time. Right. But it all collapsed when Random House bought Penguin. So, does that worry you about how the publishers are shrinking, shrinking, shrinking? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> it's not just publishing; it's the whole world is going to be one brand eventually. It's yeah. it's it's not good. <laughs> no, it's not. What worries you most about publishing as you see it now, besides the fact that the uh, publishers are shrinking in by becoming one brand. Well, I would have said a few years ago the death of all the bookstores, but um, then the Barnes and Nobles and well, Books a Million went out of business, right. and the gap was kind of filled by by small bookstores. Mm-hmm. They they came. I think that the industry will make it because there's enough people who who are good at what they do and they want it to succeed. And I think it'll, I think if you see something that sends you to despair, just, just wait a while. It'll, it'll get fixed. <laughs> it comes around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, you've talked a little bit about your writing process. Uh, what trick do you use that helps you most to write constantly. Um, this is not about really the writing process. I guess this is about staying motivated and being persistent. Yes, being persistent. Um, uh, I like to have a set time every day and it doesn't always work for me. 
I'm not a morning person. Between 4 and 4.30 is when I like to start writing. And I have two other friends who um, are writing regularly also. And we, all three of us write about the same time of day. And we've kind of formed a little club Mm-hmm. And we report our words to each other every day. I keep at the, end, at the end of our writing, we tell each other how many words I wrote, what page I'm on, what my word count is. And it it kind of it makes me it makes me do it. Mm-hmm. You know, because I don't want to say, I mean, I do say some days I didn't get any writing done today. I, I had other things, but I can't say that every day. I have to yeah. do it, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> understand I have my little planner that I write my day daily totals down in and then I do my weekly total based on that I do that too I don't I do have a spreadsheet <laughs> <laughs> and I put down my total and it, it subtracts it from from what else and it says what I wrote that day you know mm-hmm. from my total today and my total yesterday <laughs> do you push for a certain number of words per year or um, I push for 500 words a day, which maybe maybe doesn't sound like much, but it gets it done if I consistently yeah. do that. Yeah, and you can do 500 words pretty easily. I tried to do. I one. can, and a, and a lot of times if I get going, it'll be seven or eight hundred. And right. So, and then you can finish the session when in a good feeling. Yeah. And your yeah, if I'm, if I'm at 350 or 400 and I'm ready to stop, I look at it and I say, oh, I can do a little bit more. And I do a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. So that's good. That's good motivation. What's been easy about your writing journey, if you can call anything easy about writing? <laughs> um, I don't know. I just, writing isn't very hard for me. I like to write. And I've been writing, like I say, most of my life. It's it's easy for me to, people, people sometimes say, where do you get your ideas? I have folders and folders. I won't live long enough to write all the ideas I have. I, I have a lot of stuff left to write. Yeah, <laughs> people come to me and they say, have you tried this? Have you thought of this? And we're like, uh, not exactly that, but I have like a stack of 500 pages where I have ideas that I've got yep, to work yep. <laughs> and I'm always getting new ideas so <laughs> anything else I haven't thought to ask about um if you're going to talk to a new, new writer what would you tell them um just be consistent be persistent and just know that it's not an instant thing that you've got to keep going and going and going and going. And Daryl, Daryl Woodgerber has something that she said that, that almost happened to her. She said, don't quit five minutes before you're successful. Ah, that's good. She was ready to quit and she got a good contract. And that was her lesson. Don't quit five minutes before you're before you make it. The other concept I have is my magic number theory. I, again, on a spreadsheet, I keep all my submissions and my rejections mm-hmm. and how, you know, how many rejections I have for each. I usually would get like a hundred rejections on one book while I'm writing another one. Then I'd get a hundred rejections on that one while I'm writing another one. And I probably wrote about seven novels before I got the first one accepted. But my magic number, the number 
I had 468 rejections and the next letter was an acceptance. So my theory is everybody magic has, magic has to be number. higher than that. <laughs> Pardon? Your magic number has to be higher than that because you keep going. <laughs> yeah, well, your magic number is the, the number when you hit it, when you get somebody to accept something, you know? Mm -hmm. I had to get 468 rejections and that's what worked for me. So. <laughs> that's good. Well, we're gonna be out of time and just, very briefly. So thank you so much for doing this. this thank is you wonderful. for asking me. I appreciate it. <laughs> I can't wait to see us all at the next meeting. I hope you're there. I'm not sure I'm going to make it. I'm a oh. little curious. I just had COVID last month. Um, and then I had some other health problems. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not really doing indoor places that, where we aren't masking. Right. So well, I had Omicron in January and it was horrible yeah horrible. i had yeah. omicron in, in uh april in into may into may so. it lasts forever it, it, does. it does yeah and that fatigue and tiredness and yeah, yeah. <laughs> well thank you so much and oh gosh it's counting down <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i have a few relatives who've gotten covid twice so oh i yeah. I just think I need to be really careful and, and only go to places where we're masking indoors. So. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see that. Well, thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank I'll, you. I'll see you when I see you. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> Soon, I hope. <laughs> yes, exactly. Bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to The Rock Focus, a podcast for writers at all levels, hosted by Emma Lee from Writers Inc. Books, assisted by Renee Black and Edie Runes. Our focus is productivity, process, craft, and tools. Music is licensed through Audio Jungle called Background Music Loop. Its creator is Alexander Polishchuk, known on Audio Jungle as Plastic 3. The music comes in different iterations. Show notes and resource links for this and other episodes can be found at therightfocus.blogspot.com. Write to us at linkbooks at aol.com when you have questions, comments, and speculations. We will try to answer you as quickly as possible. By the way, we will not mind your email address. That's rude. If you find value in our content, share with your writing friends or write a review. We're small beans here without the advertising budget of the big peeps, and you can make a difference. And whatever occurs, right on.